Welcome to BFR Radio, a podcast dedicated to all things BFR. This podcast is proudly sponsored by sportsrehab.com.au, where if you want to buy your own BFR cuffs or you want more information about the type of training or you just want more information, this is your one place to go. And I'm your host, Chris Gavilio. Hello listeners, and with obviously all the BFR article reviews we typically do revolves around strength training, I thought we'd just take a slightly different tack here and look into the aerobic side of training and what BFR can actually do in this type of exercise realm. The paper I'm going to review today is called Short-Term Low-Intensity Blood Flow Restricted Interval Training Improves Both Aerobic Fitness and Muscle Strength by the group Oliveira out of Brazil. The idea around this is that the use of multiple training components is commonly placed to address different functional parameters, such as neuromuscular performance and both aerobic fitness. So when I started to think about this, I thought of just the concurrent training. To perform strength and endurance training in the same exercise session, or even on different days, can be both physically demanding and time-consuming. And I know as a strength coach, we're always wondering which is the best way to put the session, aerobic first, strength second, just to ensure that we get maximum benefit out of both training sessions. The thought here was combining low intensity aerobic exercise with blood flow restriction could be proposed as an adapted single training method to bring about multiple benefits at the same time. And these would include benefits such as muscle strength and hypertrophy, increases in oxidative enzymes, angiogenesis, where that's a physiological process through which new blood vessels form from pre-existing vessels, glycogen content, and just central aspects such as improved stroke volume. Increases in VO2 have been observed following aerobic BFR training performed at or above 40% of VO2 max, although you could say muscle hypertrophy is equivocal. This point around the 40% VO2 becomes how they select their intensity in their methods. Taken together, this group thought the results seemed to indicate an association between the intensity of BFR training and possible aerobic fitness improvements. And with this, taking into consideration the total BFR training duration with hypertrophy and perhaps muscle strength gains could be an added benefit. However, prior to this study, their review showed that no other single mode of short-term training up to four weeks have shown that any single mode short-term training program have demonstrated simultaneous improvements in functional aspects such as aerobic fitness and muscle strength. Another point here was in the introductions they discussed around the magnitude of BFR seems to influence directly the exercise intensity performed during aerobic training sessions. And what we've really found here is with all BFR training or just any training stimulus as well, that it's really the intensity of the training session, irrespective of whether it's BFR or not, is the main indicator most times to improve performance outcomes. They thought in their methods, they use what they call a severe BFR, which induces lower O2 supply and disposal of metabolites, is that it would induce fatigue and concomitant ability to generate force. Therefore, this could possibly recruit fast twitch motor units and thus promote a favorable milieu for muscle adaptations, in this case, strength and hypertrophy at low exercise intensities. Another point here that they put into their introduction was around intermittent and continuous pressure. Traditionally, when we look at BFR, we want to try and increase the metabolic stress. Typically, most studies will employ a continuous type of pressure. 
part of their point here was that to date low intensity BFR training has been performed restricting the blood flow throughout the total exercise session in other words continuous pressure which may have induced fatigue and limited the training stimulus and this could explain some of the divergent results obtained after aerobic BFR training. Based on these ideas this group thought that an intermittent low intensity aerobic BFR training protocol but with the BFR applied only during the exercise, in other words, deflating the cuffs during the rest periods, could provide a greater training stimulus. In other words, they could perform a higher tolerable training intensity and or duration and occlusion pressures leading to high order fiber recruitment, the fast twitch fibers. Additionally, a really nice point here that they put in here, the brief episodes of low and high oxygen exposure in skeletal muscles generated by the cycles of cuff inflation and deflating, or sometimes what we call in literature ischemia reperfusion, could also induce additional training effects on oxidative metabolism and angiogenesis. Therefore, this group thought that the application of an intermittent compared with a continuous BFR stimulus may provide an advantage in trying to induce simultaneous gains in aerobic fitness and muscle strength. So therefore, the primary purpose of this study was to verify the effects of low-intensity cycling interval training, the aerobic stimulus, with BFR applied only during the exercise bout on parameters of both aerobic fitness and maximal isometric knee extension strength. The point that they wanted to try to differentiate with other studies is that previous aerobic BFR training studies have not compared the magnitude of aerobic fitness improvements with those induced by different types of endurance training. Therefore, a secondary purpose was to compare the magnitude of the training-induced changes between BFR and high-intensity interval training. High-intensity interval training was chosen for this comparison because it is a short-term, low-volume endurance training method, able to promote the greatest central and peripheral adaptations linked to oxygen delivery and utilization. So therefore, they thought if the magnitude of the improvements in the aerobic fitness is higher for high-intensity interval training compared with BFR training, there'd be no reason to prescribe low-intensity BFR training in healthy and non-injured subjects as a replacement to high-intensity training. Conversely, their thoughts was that if four weeks of intermittent BFR training performed at about 40% of VO2 max could induce improvements in parameters of aerobic fitness to a smaller extent than high-intensity interval training, but also improve muscle strength, it would be the first single mode of training able to evoke simultaneous gains in aerobic fitness parameters and muscle strength. Then they also thought if this was the case, a third purpose would be to investigate whether a combination of high intensity interval training plus BFR, so in other words in every session performed 50% as BFR and 50% as high intensity interval training in random order, and this could result in aerobic fitness improvements to a similar magnitude as high intensity interval training alone. So they've really thought about using a whole heap of different methodologies at the same time just to see what kind of response would be more ideal. The subjects were recreational athletes but not currently involved in either resistance or endurance training programs. So unfortunately not an elite population however stick with the study I think there's some really nice outcomes here. The design of the study was over a total of six weeks. The first week and the sixth and last week were used for testing. And in the first week, they performed a familiarization of the isometric muscle strength test, where in this case, it was a quadriceps contraction performed during static knee extension at a knee joint angle of 60 degrees, where zero is at full extension. After their warm-up, they performed two maximal efforts of five seconds with both legs determined bilateral maximal voluntary contraction, or MVC. The incremental test was performed on a cyclogometer to provide maximal power output and VO2 max scores. 
For the training protocols, all four groups performed a training program consisting of three exercise sessions per week on a stationary cycle ergometer for a total duration of four weeks. Each training session consisted of two sets of five repetitions for the first three sessions, and after which one repetition per set was added each week. So therefore, in the fourth training week, the session consisted of two sets of eight repetitions. Each repetition lasted two minutes of cycling, interspersed with one minute of passive rest. The rest interval between the sets was five minutes, where they performed three minutes of active recovery at 30% of their power, followed by two minutes of passive rest. The cuff size for the BFR group was 18 centimeters and worn on the proximal portion of both thighs during all training sessions. In the first week, the cuffs were inflated to 140 mils of mercury during the two minute repetitions and deflated during the one minute rest period, once again in a minute pressure. The pressure was progressed by 20 mils of mercury after three completed sessions. So therefore in the last week, the pressure was applied at 200 mils of mercury. And for those people who are quite proficient in the use of BFR, 200 mils of mercury, depending on your thigh size, is a lot of pressure. So this is why they actually said severe BFR. In the high intensity training group, the subjects completed a variable power output training protocol. Each rep began at 110% of their maximum power output with a progressive 5% decrease in the intensity every 30 seconds. This training protocol was designed to increase the average power output of the training as fast start protocols have shown faster VO2 kinetics and higher exercise tolerance compared with constant work rate exercise. For the BFR plus high intensity training group, one set was performed as BFR and the other as high intensity training. In other words, they would perform BFR with the cuffs on at 30% of their peak power and then the next set would be high intensity training at 110%. The training power output for both the low or the non-cuff wearing and the BFR training group was at 30% of their maximum peak power output from their test. Now, those people who have listened to this podcast and our other podcast, Snippet Sports Science with Jared, we actually try to do something very similar to this. And we know around 30% is quite achievable. However, we actually tried it with the cuffs and it's quite difficult. So you can think about it initially as well it's a really low intensity but we do know that when you add the cuffs it really does add another dimension to this type of training stimulus throughout the first and the last training session for all groups cardio respiratory variables were measured also rpe or rate of perceived exertion was also reported after each repetition using a scale of 0 to 10 and capillary blood samples were taken from the earlobe immediately after the end of each set for analysis of blood lactate concentrations in the first and last training session. Now to the results of the study with respect to onset blood lactate accumulation, it increased from pre to post training periods for all groups. In the BFR, the effect size was small and increased around 16%. In high intensity training, it increased 25%. High intensity plus BFR had a small effect size of around 22%. With respect to VO2 max, in three groups, it increased from pre to post training periods in the BFR group, it improved 5.6% with a small effect size of 0.33. For high-intensity high training, it improved 9.2% with a moderate effect size. And the combination of high-intensity plus BFR had a small effect size of 6.5%. Similar to the VO2 max, maximum power outputs increased from pre- to post-training periods. For the BFR, with a small effect size, high-intensity interval training with a moderate effect size, and the combination, again, of the high-intensity interval training plus the BFR with a small effect size. And this is obviously unchanged in the low group. 
With respect to isometric strength, the t-test showed a significant increase only for the BFR group, where they demonstrated an 11.4% increase in strength of a moderate effect size of 0.66. Therefore, overall, four weeks of high-intensity interval training and a combination of BFR plus high-intensity interval training only induced improvements for aerobic variables, although high-intensity in interval training produced a higher effect size compared with BFR and the combination training. On the other hand, the low-intensity interval training on its own, without occlusion, was not sufficient to improve any variable at all. Therefore, the really good thing about this study, they've actually been able to demonstrate the advantage of short-term low-intensity interval BFR training compared with the other training modes, because only BFR training was able to concurrently improve aerobic parameters and muscle strength. Furthermore to this, the time exposed to an increased overload induced by the BFR seem to determine the adaptive responses associated with muscle strength gains. This was indicated with a combination of BFR plus HIIT group was not sufficient to induce increase in muscle strength. So therefore, from a practical point of view, BFR training produced a significant functional improvement for this subject group using a shorter exercise training session of around 30 to 45 minutes, including a warm-up at a low work rate of around 66 watts, or approximately 40% of VO2 max. I think when you actually look at the results of this study and you think about your own athlete cohort or your own group of people that you've trained, there would be times where you have athletes returning from injury or a long layoff and you need to give them a low intensity stimulus. And I always think about when someone's coming back from a lower limb injury and you just tell them to roll their legs over on a bike, being able to add a BFR stimulus which adds no mechanical stress but obviously increases metabolic stress, you actually get some great adaptive responses. And a lot of running team-based sports, this has huge implications for being able to try attenuate loss of potential fitness. Their take-home message here was the increased metabolic and physiologic strains induced by the BFR seem to have been responsible to trigger the adaptive responses linked to an increased aerobic power and muscle strength. Additionally, they also stated that BFR training volume seems to be important to determine the adaptive responses associated with muscle strength gains as shown that the 50% BFR training volume in the combined group just wasn't sufficient enough to induce increases in muscle strength. So I hope you enjoyed that slight change in tact around the use of BFR and training protocols. Now what we're going to do is we're going to go into how you do BFR. Really honoured to have Gavin Pratt on the podcast. Gavin's an Australian strength and conditioning coach, so welcome Gavin. Thank you Chris, thanks for having me. Before we get into how you do BFR, you're currently working in China. How's that going and what are you doing there? You know, anyone that's been to China will know that it, it comes with many challenges, but that's kind of why I like it. It's uh, every day brings about a new challenge, whether it's a good or a bad one. And so that's going to be really good for my coaching. Been here for just about two and a half years now. Started with Exos in Shanghai for two years, had a great time there. And now I've been employed as the physical performance manager for the Hangzhou National Training Surf Team. So China, obviously, with the advent of surfing coming into the Olympics, is really pushing hard to get a team up and running and, and in, I guess enhance the sport so I'm working alongside the first ever world champion in Pete Townend he's the head coach and we're based on a river the Tiantang River in Hangzhou and it breaks for three hours 30 kilometers twice a day during the full moon 
So I'm going to have a lot of cool challenges coming up in terms of periodization. You know, I might be able to periodize around the lunar cycle and all sorts of things because as soon as that wave comes through, we're going to be surfing it for five to seven days, six hours a day. We're using jet skis and obviously nutrition is going to be a big part of that, bringing the right things on board. With the coach's boat, it's a pretty wild adventure, mate, and I'm really stoked to be here doing that. Yeah, the, the challenges are many. What have you faced so far? The hardest thing so far is changing traditions. So a lot of uh, sports over here have been around for a long, long time. And the coaches now are actually not necessarily qualified coaches. They're just simply athletes who have now transitioned into coaching. And so they tend to use a lot of the techniques, particularly with strength and conditioning that they were taught maybe 50 years ago when they were an athlete. So the biggest challenge for us is, is trying to educate and also not come in with a westernized only viewpoint. We, we can't come in and say, this is wrong, we need to change it because they'll just simply stop working with you. You need to be able to take a backward step and, and swallow your pride a little bit and say, hey, I'm just part of the team here. I'm not the be all end all kind of guy. I just have to work with these people and try and connect some trust. And once you have trust here, that goes a really, really long way. So it's quite hard for the first three months. A lot, of, a lot of strength coaches come over here and it does their head in a little bit. But once you push past that point, it becomes really, really rewarding because they improve so much quicker because they're such wonderful humans and such wonderful athletes. Um, really fantastic to be able to work with them. So it sounds like the experience has developed your own coaching craft as well. I think so, 100%. I also think the experience has actually really humbled me as a coach and, and I realise I'm part of part of the furniture, part of the cogs that, that make the wheel turn. I'm not the, the main person here. I have to work with the team and I think it's really important. In Australia, we're obviously, we've got some of the best strength and conditioning and sports scientists in the world. I think we're really leading the charge but we maybe get built up a little bit about how important we really are I think we've just got to remember that we're a, we're a cog in this big unit that creates teams. And I think that's been a really good experience for me. And part of your role is working with surfing. And if anyone knows you, that's a passion of yours. So it must be a buzz working in a program that you, you love the sport and you're working with kind of a clean slate, I guess. Absolutely. I mean, that's the exciting part for me. And part of the reason I took on this adventure is that we are creating uh, strength and conditioning in China for surfing. It hasn't been done before. If you got that opportunity now with rugby league or rugby union, you'd be rubbing your hands together saying, hey, I can start fresh here. I wonder what I can achieve with all of this. And that's part of the reason I took it on. I know I'd love to continue a lot of the work that Jeremy, Sophia, Josh, Ollie, Lena, Ty, all those guys down at Surfing Australia got to do and have really set the bar, I feel, for surfing because it, strength and conditioning in surfing is still relatively new around the world, not just in China. Yeah. So to be a part of that is really exciting and then to be a part of it in a country where people don't even really know what surfing is is also really exciting. We're starting from scratch, mate. We're, we're very much at the, the bottom rung, but that's pretty cool and why I wanted to take it on. Yeah, and from, I guess, other coaches out there, what I think would be cool is you know, document all this and then present it because I think just from a coaching journey, but, you know, people being able to listen to your journey and to how you develop, I think is a fantastic story. So it'd be really cool to touch base, you know, 12 months time and, and see how you're traveling and see how things have evolved from that point. So that'd be a great journey to listen to. 
Yeah, mate, thank you. I, I am excited. I'd love to share this uh, with many people in Australia as well because I think getting out of our comfort zone is what leads to a lot of greatness within us and, and, and pushes us further, I think. And it's if you've got the opportunity to do it, then it's certainly worthwhile, not just for your career in, in a sense that you're developing yourself, but, man, I'm learning Chinese and, you know, I'm, I'm having to order food from a Chinese restaurant and I have to learn how to do all those things as well. So you're fending for yourself a lot as well. It's, you're developing as a person, I think, as well, which is what I really love. Yeah, fantastic. So we'll um, get into the, the BFR segment of this. I know that you're using BFR in your own practice and it'd be really interesting to hear how you incorporate it into your own craft. Yeah. So right now, obviously, I'm working with a lot of junior athletes. They're not ready for that just yet. But when I was in Shanghai working with their institute of athletes there, we, we had a few different variations. I know with the science, there's a lot of protocols that many most people tend to use. So I sort of wanted to discuss the different scenarios, I guess, that I've been able to use like flow restriction in. And there's kind of broken down into three different athletes for us we have the old school traditional athlete and teams like i was saying who just more volume more reps you know that's how you get stronger is you load up that bar even if your squats horrific you still load up that bar and you still do more repetitions because that's how you get strong and so they're broken these guys particularly handball their knees are broken their hips are broken so i don't want to do that but the coach needs to see something along those he needs to see his athletes hurting basically so I have to be clever in terms of blood flow restriction and, and utilize that and maybe say, okay, here's a deal. I'm going to take you know 50% off the bar, but I'm going to put these cuffs on and you'll see your athlete hurting. But I know deep down that we're still getting the strength and hypertrophy benefits, but we're also getting that metabolic stress rather than mechanical stress so much. So I'm trying to look after the old boy's knees and hips and that's one way that we're sort of pleasing the coach, which is very important here. And also, you know, the athlete knows he's working hard. If you ever use BFR on squats, like I know you have, but the listeners, you'll know it's hard work. It's damn hard work. So we try and get that element across as well. We also have a really interesting one, which I don't think maybe, I don't know if it exists in Australia, but um, Wushu is a, a traditional sport here in China and Asia. And and we had an interesting one where a guy was coming back from an ACL and the coach feels that strength wasn't needed for this sport. So the sport's like a, a mix of Tai Chi and karate and it's judged on numerous things, but basically it's choreographed. And so he feels that strength isn't necessary, even though these guys do the most incredible pistol squats you've ever seen. And he had an ACL. So we kind of, Again, to appease the coach, we used blood flow restriction, sort of pre-ischemic as well. We, we would do that in his warm-up and then we would do sled pushes. So the load's not heavy again, so it doesn't look like we're trying to make him into a big monster of muscle like the coaches think weight training did for them. They could see there's no weight on this, but we're still pushing him quite hard. Secretively, we know we're trying to get those strength and hypertrophy benefits as well to hopefully improve his ACL and on the leg that's had the injury and the surgery. So that's another way that we've sort of done it. And then finally, traditionally, big muscles in China are seen as you're a little bit stupid. Um, So so the younger generation is starting to understand that's obviously not true, but the younger generation tend not to be the coaches. 
when we get an athlete who comes to see us off their own back and wants to train with us because they have bought in and they understand it and they get why they need to be doing it, even if in this case it's for pure vanity and they just want bigger biceps or to look better, for the ladies, whatever it happens to be, mate, we're not going to knock that back because we're getting some buy-in from these guys. So this is where we might utilize you know, upper limb blood flow restriction for curls, tricep work, shoulder work, if it's purely for vanity, whatever. Hypertrophy, we'll call it, because that's a nice scientific term, but these guys just want to look good. And if we can get them into the gym and then that you know, flows down and they become a coach and they want their athletes to come into the gym, then that's great. You know, We want them to be training and they, we want them to understand what we're trying to do with them. So we might use like a three exercise circuit of 12 to 15 reps with no rest in between those three exercises and then give them a 30 second break and try and do three or four sets so that we're looking at maybe you know, your 75, 80 rep total. Yeah, I've been enjoying some finishes lately, upper body finishes. So what, what's a classic one that you would do? I would either look at doing agonistic muscle groups, so like three lots of curls. So I might do like a tall kneeling offset curl to a tall kneeling Zotman curl to a tall kneeling hammer curl. So all curls, sets of 12 or 15s. Or I would just do an upper body one where I might do, say, like a standard bicep curl standing with dumbbells, then go into a flat tricep overhead extension, and then work, finish with dumbbell lateral raises. So I'm getting three different muscles. So yeah. there are a couple of things that I've been playing around with lately as well. Yeah, it's nice when you hear actual examples of this is the session I'm doing and you go, I mean, that's cool, you know, and then I'll go, yeah, I'll go yeah. to the gym and I'll try that myself and go, oh, that was tough. <laughs> yeah, it's been fun actually. I've been working with a couple of uh, guys that work in the Gen Pops field and they see me come in and train with your cuffs and they're, they're very inquisitive, mate. So I, I put them through the sessions that I do and blows their mind. They can't get over it. Like I just do a basic split squat set, say four sets of 12 each leg. I think I'm only working off 30 or 40 kilos or something like that. So four sets of 12, 30 seconds rest after the second leg's gone. And that's a burner or just standard squats of four sets of 20 or first set to failure and then three sets of 15, that sort of protocol. You know, even personally, I love using it because I feel like my body's starting to break down a little bit from probably stupid training when I was younger. But I feel that taking those loads off has really actually helped me to develop the hypertrophy and strength I want in my legs without going for maximal 1RMs and things, which my back can't seem to take anymore. The great examples. Really love it. Mm. Anything else that you want to add? You've obviously had lots of experience out there. BFR aside, anything else you want to add to the listeners? Um, well, first of all, if anyone ever wants to come to China, please do and look me up because I, I love showing people around here and blowing people's minds with some of the stuff that goes on here. And we have a great expat community over here of strength coaches. We've, we actually set up a China high performance group in the last two years where we try and get together for meetings and someone does a presentation every month. Uh, a lot of people have moved on, unfortunately, to other jobs. So that's a bit low at the moment, but we love talking to people. It's always the best thing to do for us as coaches, I feel. And like you said, get, get ideas from others and then go and try it. So if anyone wants to come to China, please do and look me up because it's an experience you, you won't forget. We actually have a, look this up too on YouTube, the Silver Dragon event is coming in end of September and it's where we actually have professional surfers from Hawaii, Australia, all around the world come and surf this river wave for a week at the end of September and it's a great event. It's been running for about eight to 10 years, I think, and it's phenomenal. When you see it on YouTube, Silver Dragon China, 
it will blow your socks off because you can't believe how big waves get. This one wave gets in a river and it's incredible. You've got me intrigued. <laughs> Good, mate. I'm glad to hear so it. Talking about getting a hold of you, how can people get a hold of you? So I have an online business called GCP Fitness and there's a website for that and that name pretty much runs through my social media. So my Instagram is GCP Fitness. There's a Facebook page, GCP Fitness, and my Twitter handle is GCP Fit just because I wanted to throw something in a bit different. Basically, you can find me on those. I'm somewhat on there a bit, although China does make it fairly difficult for me at times to get onto social media with the firewalls. So try and hit me up there or my email is gavin at gcpfitness.com. Perfect. Nice and simple. Streamlined. That's it. It's more for me than anyone else. So I don't forget it. Memory's horrific. Okay. Well, thanks for your time, Gavin. I really appreciate it and all the best with your endeavors. Thanks, Chris. Great talking to you, mate. And that's all today for this episode of BFR Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to take part in the podcast, please contact me through my website or on social media channels at Chris Cavillio. For more information and to order a set of your own BFR cuffs, please visit my website at sportsrehab.com.au. Thanks for listening and keep the pump. (laughs) 